What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Games Group. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hello. Justin Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. What, what happened there? Did we hear Justin? We lost him? Yeah. We lost Justin Scoop. Are you still you there, me? Justin? Okay, now we can Yeah, he's you. there. I thought hey. he was snubbing you. <laughs> I, I didn't take it that way. Never. Anyway, we do have a great show for you this week. <laughs> We're going to talk about a surprise new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Uh, a very pleasant surprise, I, I think. Uh, we'll talk about what we've been playing, which uh, for my part includes more old games, but a really old game. But first, if I look and sound different to you this week, it's because I've just moved into a new home and we're still getting set up. And although I have internet set up, it's uh, in my uh, living room and then the office where my computer is <laughs> is on the complete other side of the house. And we're having a hard time getting the internet to uh, the oh. other side of the house. Uh, I've got some uh, things to try. I've got uh, power line adapters coming tomorrow. Are you guys familiar with those? It yeah. sounds like black magic sorcery that sends the internet through the power outlets Damon, in my house. Skip, skip all that and just mm. make a bunch of speed holes in your wall. Speed holes. Speed holes? I don't even know speed what to get the internet through. Yeah, yeah. You well, I own the house. I own this house, so I can yeah. do whatever I want with it. You can do whatever you damn well please. Yeah, put a couch in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. uh, a refrigerator just in every room. Yep. I do need a. I do want a beer fridge for the garage. Anyway, let's yes. get to the show this week. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Who saw this one coming? Nobody. <laughs> I. <laughs> I, they it's do great. Turtles Brawler stuff still, right? That's like the one type of turtle game that gets made besides Japanese yeah, high-action games. Not good ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we hope it's good. It has a good pedigree uh, behind it. Uh, tribute games, uh, uh, the guys that did um, the one I enjoyed last year uh, very much, Pan Panzer Paladin. Panzer Paladin. Mm. That's yeah. what, like, I was not that interested in this because only because so many of these throwbacks end up being disappointing, right? Like mm. you're so jazz and exciting, then it comes out and it's fine, you know, and then, and then, and then it's over. But this one, every single portion of the announcement, I'm like, okay, okay. Good developer. Like good, like mm -hmm. they're hitting all the right notes. I could not be more jazzed. And I think this is going to be the one that like actually delivers on the promise of like what sort of a, uh, a modern throwback can be. Well, yeah, except that it's it's being um, published by Dot Emu, who last year brought us Streets of Rage Four, which is also another great you know modern yeah. take on the classic brawler. Ex so. Exactly. Look at the Technodrome; it looks so cool. Yeah. Did Streets of Rage? I, I'm not a Turtles guy, so I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll connect to this on the, the brawler level. Did Streets of Rage Four have anything that was like kind of like a meta game that kind of like did something brawlers didn't, like an RPG system, like River City Ransom, or like um, Castle Crashers, or anything like that? It had um, an interesting scoring mechanism where the longer you went without taking damage, the higher your score would go. Mm -hmm. Which was kind of cool. And then there's a, like, you could, like... It sounds stressful to me. Oh, I don't know. I liked it. Um, it also just had a really, really great animation. And, of course, the Turtles game is going for a classic. Uh, it's going to look like it is a uh, sequel to the original uh, Turtles arcade game, right, from the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Love Our it. producer is writing me that Turtles in Time is so much fun. Now, I've played all <laughs> the early Turtles brawlers. They're fine. I played them like crazy when I was a kid, but you guys know how I feel about brawlers. They need something extra. They're just too boring other, otherwise. It's good for, you know, $10 worth of quarters in the arcade. I'll always grant them that. 
but I don't want that in my home. And even with four people, I'm going to play through it once, maybe. And it was to see all the cool pixel art and stuff. So yeah. that, that that would be nice in this. And I'm sure it'll be interesting. But back in the day, brawlers were cutting edge graphics. There's nothing that looked as good as them. And that was the reason for me to play them. Like when racers were first coming out, like I'm not going to. I'm not going to play Daytona USA ever again, but I was pretty excited about Daytona USA when it was in a bank of machines in the arcade. I'll put, I'll put $10 and quarters into this machine, but I won't buy it for $10 to own it forever. <laughs> no, I won't. I, I wouldn't do that. It's the arcade experience and you're with your yeah. friends and you're like, how long can this quarter get me in this round? How much have I improved since my last quarter experience? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but maybe like, they'll, maybe somebody will modify a cabinet and we can all play it together at like a California Extreme or something in the future. That'd be a really go. cool way to experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if the game it's was true. free, but every time you wanted to play again, it cost you a quarter? <laughs> I was thinking about that. And nobody's really done the tw- the twenty five cent per game system, huh? Wait, yeah. wait. Microsoft tried doing that with Xbox Live Arcade. Really? Uh, there was was like, it a yeah, quarter per play? It was something like that. We had to pay for each play of these classic arcade games. Oh yeah, wasn't uh, one of the Castlevania games like that? One of the so, XBLA oh, spinoffs? Maybe. Yeah, there was the Castlevania XBLA spinoff that was like that zoom in and zoom out one, which is really That was the cool. cooperative one. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the pay system. Anyway, you, you are right, Sam. Like, I beat Double Dragon in the arcade back in the day, but only because my grandpa just kept giving me quarters. And <laughs> eventually, my sister and I just yep. forced our way, just bought our way to the end of the game, right? Were you Bimmy or Jimmy? Uh, I'm, I'm a they're, lifelong Bimmy, they're, Bimmy fan. They're only, they're only Bimmy and Jimmy on the NES. <laughs> yeah, I think it's corrected, or it was originally correct in the arcade. Um, the uh, I uh, have like a you know when I was a little kid, I I had a really fun time at the arcade playing with a friend through the Simpsons game. Mm-hmm. That was like my best brawler ex- experience. And we had happened to come into a, a, like ten dollars and quarters or something. And we got to the last boss and did not beat the last boss. I've still never finished The Simpsons, but it was so exhilarating and so illuminating to go through the first couple levels, which cost you a, a buck fifty probably. Mm-hmm. Then the next couple levels, which cost you probably four dollars, and mm-hmm. then the last boss, which costs you four dollars by itself. It like it adds up in like such a funny way. It's 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 it, you know it's those were designed to eat your quarters at a point where people stop being you know, competitive with quarters and getting high scores with Pac-Man stuff. And of course the next era of arcades, we all know was street fighter two and competitive stuff that way. So there was that bridge of, of, uh, high tech brawlers where it was like, you know, you know, as quarter munchers starting with gauntlet, by the way. Yeah. I actually have, I, I have a lot of affinity for brawlers. I mean, who doesn't, everybody loves them, but like, I, don't, Sam, I just said, I, <laughs> well, but I mean, like, you know, Sam, you're completely, you're completely right that although I do have an affinity for them, like, they're, they're kind of garbage in like, you, you know, the bosses have invincibility frames and um, uh, just yeah, unblockable true. moves and just, you know, total screen wipes. And like, clearly at like a super high level of skill, that stuff isn't a problem. But for like everyday people, like they just become impossible to the point where, like you said, they're designed to, um, you know, shoot through your continue, quarters. Continue, continue, like, continue. Yeah. And like, so, but that's why like seeing them come home is so exciting because then they don't have that limitation or that requirement on the commercial side, on the, on the capitalist side. Like they can just design a really, really cool, fun, mm-hmm. brawling, fighting combat system without the need for a bunch of bullshit bosses that, uh, that are going to force another quarter. That's castle machine. crashers. I think they did a good job with it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tina, does this announcement do anything for you? 
Uh, in the sense that I played like the the early '90s Konami, I think version, the arcade version back in the day, so I have the same fondness that anybody else would. Just uh, having an opportunity to to play a multiplayer game when that's a reality in the future at some point, when you can sit down ne- on a couch next to a friend and actually play this stuff. I'm also not a huge brawler fan. There, there's just like a level of consistency and sameness to them after a while when you play them back to back. But I love like River City Ransom. Um, so there's definitely some uh, affection in my heart for the genre overall. They're basically slow uh, platformers without a jump button. Like that's what a <laughs> brawler is, unless you add some kind of complexity, right? If it's just as punch and kick, then it's just not much to, to work. And some of them have jump buttons and they do like that weird vertical jump and you have to hit the up button. Hate that. Um, they're uh, at the big uh, arcade that I have a bunch of games at called Free Old Watch here in San Francisco. It's been closed, you know, for a year now. Um, there's a, uh, uh, they, in the middle of the pandemic, they got a turtles arcade machine, just the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. And it's, and, and it's been there this whole time. And I, 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 I did play it once. Um, it's cool. Uh, the side art in that game is so worth looking up. It mm. is just the most garbage airbrushed <laughs> April O'Neil, like in uh, other characters. Like it just doesn't look like the cartoon. It doesn't look like the game. It just looks terrible and i love it it's just one of the funniest pieces of video game art wait but is that the one with the real photo of of april o'neill i think model i think it is i can't tell if it's a model or if it's like a model that's been like kind of like painted over or whatever Mm -hmm. because it's just like it's that that it's like it's supposed to look realistic you know it doesn't look like a cartoon it's just terrible looking it's really funny (laughs) did everyone watch the new trailer that has the new version of the theme song yeah yeah so I watched it and I didn't even realize that it was Mike Patton singing that uh, the new theme song from Faith No More. And like, right. I can't, I, I, when I was growing up, Faith No More was my favorite band uh, easily and like a big reason why I wanted to live in San Francisco someday. But like in my adulthood, I was kind of like, I mean, of course they broke up. But I feel like I've kind of like moved on past Faith No More. So I guess I'm so far removed that I don't even recognize Mike Patton's voice singing the Teenage mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles theme. Well, well that's I'm like, sure his, he's like a voice actor and stuff now, right? He's done a lot. He, so he's in a commando uh, and in, in the darkness, both darkness games. Uh, he's the voice yeah. of the monster. And then he did oh, some voice darkness. in Portal at the end of Portal. Ooh, the, uh, really? the sort of like crazy voices at the boss fight. Oh, mm. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. So some of Gladys's forms or something. Yeah, like yeah, that? exactly. Okay. Um, I can't name a Faith No More song. Maybe okay. the, there's one in Rock Band though, right? Well, yeah. Maybe we talked about that. Epic. Yeah. You'd that was the What the Is It song. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I think this is a really nice surprise. I'm looking forward to checking out Shredder's Revenge. It makes me wonder. Um, I mean, it's cool to get a sequel to a 20-year-old game uh, done in the same style as it would have been 20 years ago. Sam, are there any other like arcade games that you think are worthy of getting a sequel in the same style as, as the original? Yeah, I, you know what I really was thinking about the other day, and I, this is really coincidental. We're talking about this, but have you ever played Kicks? Oh yeah, really cool. Oh, yeah, like uh, drawing things around stuff, and it's like cool pixel art. I was thinking about how like you don't need to change that game very much. You can totally just put out stuff like that. And then, um, but yeah, like there is like a, a you know I, I've really even though I don't play these games, like the Marvel versus Capcom era of like the early X Men Children of the Atom like type stuff, like. If there was a way to like make games look like those pixels now, 
there's so much animation in those. It's crazy. Like if you look at like people will take out the animation panels and like, you know, for an equivalent game, there's just like every single thing is hand drawn and then hand drawn into pixels and like everybody's breathing and like steaming and you see mm-hmm. it's a like, crazy looking. I love that art style for arcade games. Yeah. All the King oh, of yeah. Fighters games, like yeah. there's this there's so much and I and I get why this happens, because you can't take, you know, five years to <laughs> to handcraft, you know, a million frames of pixel art animation, but like it's such a shame to see, you know, King of Fighters and Marvel vs. Capcom move to sort of this lifeless, like 3D, you know, polygons played out on right. a 2D plane. And even when they stylize it or like cell shade it, um, it's just not the same as seeing like clothing billowing in like you know lavishly animated pixel art mm-hmm. exactly yeah. tina any uh, arcade favorites you'd like to see a, a seagull for in the style of its of the original mm, i mean i was um maybe not the best example but i was obsessed with um any kind of like light gun shooters uh oh, so yeah. back in the day so i would do like house of the dead or time crisis uh, those sorts of things so uh, and also Daytona USA, just because Sam mentioned that earlier, and I would totally still play that in its it's in its original cabinet <laughs> yeah. version. My my brother has his eye on buying one when he eventually has a big enough house to fit one. So those are all the ones mm-hmm. that I would play just for the nostalgia's sake of it. Kids like driving games too. That's really good for them. Um, yeah. There's also like just vector games in general are like you know white or colored lines on a black background and like. Really, really vector cool. monitors still like look just the best at those and like work with 4k and 8k we can start getting to the like the, the resolution level that you can probably imitate that style and i just think it's a cool style so i think vector would be a really cool thing to see in really high def now that they can start making it. you got to get the little you know line tracies and stuff that they have in asteroids you can like see the the impression of the bright thing moving around the screen mm. it's great uh when i was thinking about other uh, arcade games I'd like to see get sequels. Uh, Smash TV came to mind. Just a, yeah, a twi- twin stick shooter with hordes of enemies, with you know lots of great pixel art, sort of leaning into the uh, the, the hyper violence of that sort of like RoboCop or, or Running that was Man, like the Running Man thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I love exactly. That. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that was cool. A TV show that's violent is real. It's <laughs> real life. Yeah, it's so strange. But then another one occurred to me that isn't exactly the same thing. I would love to see actually a modern day. Uh, take on Rampart. Does everyone know Rampart? Yeah. Because, like, uh, think about we it. played that. That's the castle yeah. building puzzle game that we played at the that studio's arcade. Tina, I just remember that with the with the trackball where you build castles yeah. and then you throw cannons. Yeah, stuff I thought that, that was, was California really Extreme, but I think you're talking <laughs> about a different. But yeah, I remember playing it. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, like think about think how popular crafting games have begun, and if you just sort of like increase the time window that you have, just sort of build up your castle and fortify it, and right, then you have yeah. then you have the attack phase, and you can do the whole Lord of the Rings camera where mm-hmm. la- the catapult launches the boulder and you follow the boulder all the way to the enemies mm-hmm. uh, rampart, destroy it, have more right. realistic destruction, remake rampart. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I mean, it's like your it's like a tower defense game, but then you you yeah. wreck each other between rounds. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. like that's Fortnite, not to a T, but like, sure. you know, building and action like that's that's definitely been the spirit of mm-hmm. that has carried on. Yeah, that's, yeah true. that's true. OK, let's share what we've been playing as the uh, new game drop continues. Uh, Tina. Oh, are you so, still playing Yakuza Like a Dragon? Oh, definitely. There will be many hours to come um, <laughs> because, I mean, it's a, it's a long-ass RPG, so uh, there's, there's a lot left to do. Um, I hit this, like, 
because it's been very easy, but I suddenly hit this difficulty spike. Um, and I realized without any spoilers that there was another party member that I could recruit to help me get through that difficulty spike. So I spent a lot of time thinking like, I just have to go grind now. So I went into a dungeon, tried to grind with my, um, with the party members that I had already had and was still running into problems there. And then suddenly I realized there's this other party member that's hidden in the business management sim mini game. If you reach like rank a hundred or something in your business, uh, you can unlock that party member. And then obviously you just have like another person to add to a turn to either help with healing, help with damage, just help like survive um, throughout the, throughout any kind of battles. Because if you, uh, as Ichiban Kasuga, if you die, like you're, you know, the rest of your party is just sort of sacrificed mm -hmm. at that point. So it really helped with the difficulty spike. So that was good. But now I'm obsessed with that business management sim. And I did not think that I would be. And oh, I yeah. was thinking like, there's so much to do in this game as it is. There's so much going on at all times. A lot of it is really entertaining. There's some really sweet side quests. Like you help people fall in love in one side quest. Um, and they're easy things to kind of knock out of the park. And then they have like another type of side quest called part-time heroes. Uh, so you could do like part-time hero work, um, as part of gigs. I mean, it's an RPG, so you, you have all the, all of those elements that you can, that you can focus on, but I've definitely been doing like main quests, dungeon quests so that I can just ramp up in my, um, leveling. And now I'm, uh, just a total business pro trying to game the system by buying properties, updating them, getting new employees. Although it does feel super cold hearted because occasionally you have to like lay off your employees because your businesses aren't doing well or like the employee isn't, yeah. isn't, you know, working out their, their, uh, their end of the deal. So it's, um, it's a little dry, but in a weird way, really addictive. So I'm, I'm fully in the Yakuza mode. Oh, and then one thing I should mention is last week I, I mentioned something about like the map and the map being fixed, the map point of view, uh, and I couldn't find anything in the settings. People assured me online and in the comments that there is a setting. So I went back and looked and there is one. So good news, the map is slightly improved. <laughs> oh, the language in this game. Yeah, yeah I'm glad we're not playing the audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kids aren't at the reading level to read those subtitles. <laughs> it so warms my heart to see you go through the Yakuza just arc that everyone goes through. We're like, I must avenge the death of my blood brother. But first, I'm gonna sing some karaoke. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on some dates. I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna race some slot cars. I'm gonna go bowling again, and then in, and win a chicken. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're you're literally the president of this it, like Ichiban <laughs> Confections. Like you become the pre yeah. you go from being homeless to becoming the president of this major corporation, and then you get an investment of like 50 million yen, and you yeah. get to buy a bunch of other properties. So you're just like Ichiban uh -huh. Kasuga is the most ridiculous person possible. Like ex Yakuza, ex homeless mm -hmm. person, been been stabbed and shot several times uh, in his lifetime. Um, and then, yeah, he's going out mm -hmm. on dates. He's collecting trash for money and rifling through trash for money. It's just uh -huh. it's absurd the amount of things that you can get obsessed with. But um, I've really been loving it as as something that like I can partake as part of my day because there's so many dialogue moments where I can kind of sit back and like eat a meal and watch the game play out and then quickly mm -hmm. jump back into it. And that plus like, cause I've been playing on Xbox, um, that plus quick resume is just the perfect recipe for my weekend to be destroyed. And that, that has been my weekend and will be my mm -hmm. weekends for, for some weeks. <laughs> Sam, you're still playing it? Yeah. Do you know what chapter you're in now? Nine or so. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm in five, so I'm not, not as far. 
and not as addicted. I'm basically, I think, you know, where you were last week. Oh, well, I mean, I want to be playing more. It's all I think about. And uh, for the same reasons is that there's like certain things I'm obsessing over in it. Uh, The um, side quests are all the story based ones are just as good as anything else. But like, man, this is a story where I'm just like, I I love I I love seeing where it's going because it's unpredictable. It's not because it's told well or that it's like acted particularly well or anything like that. It's just, it's, and, and it's sometimes it's over the top, but like, I just don't know. And like, when I think back about the last, like, you know, 45 minutes of what I've been doing, it's just so creative. It's just every, everything you do is just so surprising and delightful and creative. Um, one of my favorite mini games I just did, which was like, it's not like a particularly amazing mini game. It's like a rhythm mini game, but it's, this guy is like, Hey, I'm showing old Japanese movies in this theater. You should come in. And they're like, they're like grindhouse movies. And it, like, there's cool posters and everything. I'm like, this sounds great. I'll totally watch a movie. And, and then he sits right next to you and it's a completely empty theater. Just this old guy. And he's like, you're going to sit next to me. He's like, yeah, I thought we'll, we'll watch the movie together. He owns the theater. It's so funny. And so then he's like, he puts it on. And the first movie I watched was called Robo Cook. And it was cool. like a robo cop uh, movie about a robot cook. And uh, the whole time you're trying not to fall asleep and that's the mini game is sheep are trying to get you to fall asleep and they're like demon sheep that pop up just just so you don't embarrass the old man Mm -hmm. and and you know because you just want to please him that's the whole thing and then at the end of it he's asleep anyway (laughs) (laughs) he's the one that's asleep yeah and then you can take your party members back there to watch movies with them and increase your bond with them which pro tip incredibly important thing that you have to focus on because you actually have to go into a bar and unlock their levels to actually be able to this is just a thing i ran into um to actually be able to level them you have to unlock at each end of their level but you can take them to the movies and you have to stay awake while you're watching a movie alongside them too and i've gotten very good at that minigame too I, I, my favorite enemy in the game is just one that's, on, there's a lot of great enemies, but one that's on the street, we're seeing some street combat right now, is a guy in a Speedo that has a, um, a, a, a floating toy for the pool, like what you'd lie on, like I don't even know what to call him, like a rectangle, and he, he can't hurt you, he just runs up to you and slips on his back over and over again. It's like <laughs> the game's equivalent of a slime. It's so nuts. There are a lot of incredible enemies. There's one that I really don't like. I think it's, I forget what they're called, um, this particular enemy type, but I think it's supposed to be like there's some equivalent of a pervert or something like that. And they actually like mm-hmm. butt bump you as an attack. So I always <laughs> have my ladies kill them off first because I don't even want to deal with that animation. Get out of here is with it, that. Is that the guy <laughs> in the trench coat that does that? He can do like yes. a little dance. Yes, dance exactly. To you? <laughs> and so many of them dance <laughs> yes. in creepy ways too. It's there's awful. like, there's like a, there's an influencer streamer, like Twitch streamer type of enemy too. And they like take pictures of you to lower your defense fences oh right it's pretty it is pretty hilarious there's there's such a good variety in the game and then on the op like on the opposite end of that you have ichiban kasuga who's so sweet and like you know well-mannered and he just wants to help his friends and he just wants to help people on the street like it's just a very cute dynamic and he's an honorable yakuza he's a very honorable person yeah he's like old school mentality too and the running joke is that he's super old which i don't I can't really see that. Also, one incredible story element that I just cannot get behind. So the reason why his hair is so crazy and that becomes a story beat like every time or, you know, a little quirk to the story. Every time somebody meets him, they're like, what's with your rat's nest of a hair? So he goes to get a perm 
And the woman who does his hair is like, oh, sorry, I've never done this before. And that's why it's come out looking ridiculous. Here's the thing about perms and chemical treatments for your hair, because I'm very personally familiar with this process. If you wash your hair immediately afterwards, it completely undoes all of the damage. So all he had to do was wash his hair, wet the, mm. the like, you know, the chemical bonds that, that happened and disrupt all of that. And it would have been fine. He could have gone back to the salon and done something Where did different. Where go after that salon? He just went about his business. That was it. So forever he has this hair. He got shot and put in the garbage and woke up a couple of days later. Yeah, but he like, like he was in the salon and he could have been like, I don't like this. Please wash my hair right now. (laughs) But he like, he got up. Yeah, he theoretically paid for this, this hair, um, this haircut and whatever. And then theoretically just got up and and left and went about his his reactions like "Uh, uh, yeah uh." and he was supposed to go and see arakawa his like former yakuza boss and he was like oh no i can't see him like this well then wash your hair dude (laughs) haven't you seen legally blonde well you guys it's only making me want to play this game (laughs) real you should Uh, maybe maybe after you beat skyrim again (laughs) oh boy maybe Maybe put a pause Uh, on that catch up to us then beat skyrim again (laughs) Justin, what you been playing? I've been playing a lot of Loop Hero. Good. Whoa. Oh, you're playing it. Goodness gracious, is that a Justin game? I think it mm-hmm. would probably be a Damon Damie game too. Yeah, um, so. Maybe uh, chapter one. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, I, I can't even hardly describe it. I've never played a game like it, which I really enjoy and appreciate. Um, you know, I've talked about on the show before. In the same way that you were saying, the story of Yakuza really surprises you. Um, I like games that. I'm having a hard time even comparing Loop Hero to other stuff that's that's come out in the past. It's very much its own beast, its own animal, where your hero is on a loop that sort of loops around this you know board over and over and over again and runs into enemies. And each enemy will drop a card that then you're using to build, like, I'm going to place a cemetery, or I'm going to place a mountain. Like, you're building up the game map as you go, and then... Um, uh, it's like tile-based, like top-down. That's what you always yeah, see. Yeah, top-down. And you're making it harder for yourself. And so that's the tension and the balancing act is like, I'm going to put these three cemeteries together, and then my next loop around, I'm going to have to fight all these skeletons, but those skeletons drop better loot and better gear and like you know help you power up. And so mm-hmm. it's always like, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's I, cool. It, and then it's taking me forever to make progress because I always, it's press your luck, and I always make it slightly too hard, mm-hmm. and then and die, but then mm-hmm. but then that's what you have to do to get the good loot, too. And um, what makes it especially clever is I keep uncovering sort of <clears throat> secret combinations of like, oh, well, if I put a vampire manor next to the town, then that creates zombies I have to fight. Or if I put, you know, this river next to this forest, like there's different combinations of tiles that you have to kind of uncover for yourself and, and experiment around and figure out. Then it has this metagame element of like, you know, it's designed to lose. It's designed to be grindy. So you lose and you go back to town, uh, your camp, and then you can build up camp structures that give you different benefits and different bonuses. The next time you go back in for another, you know, another big loop through the game. Um, it's awesome. I, I it, it's so addictive. Uh, it's become probably the first game in like a year where, like, when I'm not playing it, I'm like thinking about it and sort of obsessing over it. Um, and so, yeah, really, really highly recommended to people that like roguelike style games or just sort of unusual experimental stuff. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to check that out when it comes when it comes to a console. Oh, is it is it only on Steam? I think so. 
for now. That's that's where I'm playing it. It would be perfect <clears throat> on Switch. Yeah, oh it'll boy. get there. Well, speaking of Switch, uh, since I've we, I moved in uh, into our new house this week, nothing is set up. The TVs aren't set up. Mm-hmm. Consoles aren't set up. So I have been playing Switch. And I beat Pikmin 3, so I, I delved back into my oh, catalog cool. looking to revisit something I hadn't played in a, a lot in a while. And I settled on SteamWorld Dig 2. Ooh. Speaking of, uh, not roguelike, but um, you know, speaking of, uh, well, I guess not speaking of anything Justin was saying. But that's what <laughs> I was just playing. Speaking of Damien it's games. It's a dig-like. Speaking yeah, of Diggy games, a yeah. dig-like. Mm. Dig-like. It's just uh, totally uh, a fantastic Metroidvania. A pretty short one, because I think I've put like six hours into it and I'm I think I'm very near the end. And the first time around, it only took me about seven hours to beat. So, yeah. But it's great. This is an awesome game. Uh, and you can usually find it super cheap if you happen to have not played it up until yeah. this point. Some of the secret boxes in this game are really, really hard. Yeah, there's like puzzle. There's like, pu- like tombs, like puzzle, puzzle rooms. Yeah. You can, you know, they're, just, they're, op- they're optional. I have, mm-hmm. a, I have a weird connection to make here that I'd never thought about until just this moment. We're like SteamWorld Dig 1 to 2. 2 is, it stays true and faithful to the original. Like, it doesn't feel like a completely different thing. But it's so much huger and has such a different vision for, like, you know, way more Metroidvania-y than the original is. And it makes me think about, like, the difference between Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Where, like, it's a different flavor and different take on the same thing where, um... I'm just, I'm really, really excited. I hope they ever make a SteamWorld Dig 3 because, like, it, based off the trajectory that these games are on, like, man, it would be a game of the year contender. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, a, a SteamWorld Dig 3 is absolutely in development. And I, I say that just as an assumption <laughs> without having yeah. any sort of insider knowledge. Sam, did you play <laughs> this one? Oh, yeah. I loved it. And as I was saying, like, the, the puzzle rooms are so hard yeah. that I really, really got obsessed. There, you know, there weren't any guides out at the time. We did a guide. At, for it um and it was really interesting I, and i got obsessed with the map screen like you can see it up there the upper right it has yeah. like a castlevania yeah. style map screen yeah. and i uh you know there's like areas like right actually in this area where it's like all sky to the left mm-hmm. and like i was like i got into like filling that all out and stuff and i think there's a percentage completion for it and everything and so i actually had to cut myself off at some point because games <laughs> like this i get a little obsessive over but i really liked it it's just like you always describe like Symphony of the Night, you describe it as what you're really doing is just trying to make it to the next save room. Yep. And it's just like here, what you're trying, you're trying to make it to the next warp pipe so you can get back up to the surface. Exactly. Sell off your loot and replenish your health, that sort of thing. I absolutely missed one in this game and I got Mm. to the next one, which like should be impossible. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. So much tension as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, wondering, are you going to be able to make it, make it back out? Your light goes out. Uh, okay, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Howdy. Listeners, maybe you can always reach us at the email address, just like Big Tony style. <laughs> Big Tony style says, over the weekend, I beat Control, since it was free with PlayStation Plus. As Thanks. expected from a Remedy game, I was pretty confused with what transpires <laughs> with the story. I watched a couple of videos online explaining the story, and I was a bit surprised just how much of the story and lore is built into the documents and collectibles you've come across. Mm-hmm. While I appreciate the detail and writing Remedy put into the collectibles, I couldn't help but think there are probably a lot of other gamers who don't spend the time through everything you pick up. How often do the Omega Cops read through in-game documents? What games have some of the best written lore you think may have gone unnoticed? Mm. <laughs> 
So this is coincidentally a conversation that Sam and I have had recently where I there were a couple, well, there have been a couple games of late where I would like send Sam a message of, did you see this thing? Like, this is a hilarious email or, Oh, did you, did you notice this thing? Like, this is an important part of the story and actually illuminate some of these other things. And, you know, we had the debate of, are they worthwhile slash are they not? Um, And I think there are some games that are really famous for it, but the one that really stuck out when I was trying to reflect on this, on this, um, this part of like gaming is just because it's recent uh, with the last of us two, when you go into the hospital, that's been kind of boarded off since the beginning of uh, I guess their pandemic. um, There's a lot of like documentation in there about when people were first kind of coming through the doors of the hospital and like, they didn't know what was going on. Um, They're starting to be afraid of some of the patients. They're locking some of the patients up. Oh, suddenly the military is now showing up. What's, and there's just, you can sense the confusion and a lot of these, the like doctor's notes and the emails that are left behind in this hospital. And it, it sheds a light on a part of that story that you've just assumed part of the narrative of because you're you've never been at the forefront of it aside from that like first scene in the first game and then they kind of skip ahead in the in in the timeline so i found it really fascinating to kind of go through like this is probably what that would feel like and how that would look like how all these doctors would be reacting and the people's fear and sudden mistrust of one another because there's an absence of information and so suddenly everything is terrifying everyone's afraid for their Mm -hmm. life like it was just well done in the sense of like this is probably how things would have gone down if there was a big zombie or whatever quicker outbreak um, and as things were starting to ramp up and getting really dangerous and people are grappling with it, like you can s- start to see how like some of these stories would be pretty realistic in that sense. So I thought it added like a really nice flavor um, and a new perspective since so much of that series is focused on like however many years in later when it's just like this is this post-apocalyptic world is it's at a point where it's just normal. Mm-hmm. I hate how you did say in their pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two comparisons to reality there were, were 100% telling, man. What a Yikes. year for that game to come out. Um, the, the, there's been a couple of times in which I'm like, I don't know why, how the hell I was supposed to know that after asking Tina <laughs> yeah. how to do something. She's like, because it was in the emails you're supposed to read. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not doing that in a video game. Um, yeah. Because I do that all day. It's like mm-hmm. it's like if a game was about Slack. Like, no way. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play just that wait game. for um, just wait for the business sim in Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, I'll probably love that. Um, so uh, I um, uh, at one point early in my freelance career was assigned to transcribe the entirety, and I had to, I had to look this up after remembering it yesterday. I looked it up, and I transcribed the entirety of the Mass Effect One Codex which was a basically an encyclopedia in the game that explained all the races and the backgrounds. I don't remember if you picked up parts of it, but I'm pretty sure it was just in there. Like you could yeah. just access it. Like it was like a companion novel, you know, and it was so much. And I transcribed it so um, people could use it to write features and stuff like that and have it on hand. And uh, it was, it was, it was really fun. <laughs> I loved it. And like, I, th- I love that universe because so many great writers took from so many of my favorite writers, which I've already talked about on the show, and made an amalgamation universe, which was its own thing, but also just constant nods to famous and completely obscure sci-fi things that I've been in love with my whole life. And that's not the most original type of writing. It's kind of kind of lifting, but uh, they're very on the nose about inside jokes and stuff with it and stuff like that. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, basically my favorite encyclopedic background them. And then there's just certain games 
Last of Us 2's example was exactly it, where I like the universe enough to want to know more about it. And that's when I really get into that stuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate it when it's like uh, spread out a little bit and, and when the, uh, the, what you're reading is significant. Like I think Resident Evil does it pretty well. It's, they do it mm-hmm. sparingly. And whenever you do it, it's either like creepy. It's like the itchy scratchy, itchy, itchy scratchy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Itchy um, scratchy. But then, like, speaking of Skyrim that I'm playing, there's just hundreds of books <laughs> yeah. to find everywhere. Yeah, I'm not going to read any of it. I'm not going to read a word of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think I... No, I mean, the, the thing about Skyrim lore, and I didn't know this when I first started playing Skyrim, where some of those books have been in Elder Scrolls games, like, you know, the lore is consistent, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. that book may have been in the Elder Scrolls 2. Oh, and you find yeah. you find copies of it in someone's house in Elder Scrolls 3 and 4 and 5 so they've mm. they've built up over time until now there's just these tomes of history where it's like oh man like no there's no reason to be reading through all that except for the mm-hmm. lusty argonian maid that one's worth reading. <laughs> Is that fiction? Yeah, that's uh, and you find it on like people's bedside tables. It's all fucking stuff. fiction. <laughs> I definitely yeah. feel like horror games are known for this type of yeah. uh, feature too, um, and also because it kind of cuts some of the tension, but also adds to it because you're not sure. Like as I'm reading this, is like some zombie oh, going to pop up behind me? Yeah. So, yeah. but it's also a really good storytelling mechanism there because you're supposed to with a lot of horror games, you're kind of inferring as you go along because the more that you're spoiling, the less that the tension exists, <clears throat> so that right. you get this information piecemeal through this format um kind of really fits with the genre uh, but it also makes me think of the original bioshock which was one of the first games that did it Just through like like actual audio recordings though and not only that yeah. but you can move around and you can yeah, still yes. get through the rest of the game and make yes. progress and it feels yeah. like wow my time is really being respected right now like i just if for <laughs> nothing else i appreciate it for that um and it always mm-hmm. added to the story and, and felt like because it was VO driven too, like you felt like you got some personality out of it instead of just like inventing a personality in your brain or a voice in your brain. So I always really like that about the original Bioshock and mm-hmm. following months too. You walk into a room and there's like crazed, crazed partiers with masks on and they're like talking. You're like, just hold on a second. I want to listen to the end <laughs> yeah. of this recording. Honestly, just, just hold on a second with that yeah, hook. Exactly. With, with Yakuza, like if you, in, you, if you interrupt some of the dialogue moments that you run across, cause it'll just suddenly be like, Oh, press Y because there's a, there's a dialogue moment here between you and one of your party members, which increases your bond. There's like tons of ways you can increase your bond with party members, which I also find fascinating about that game. Like you can take it to a brief aside, you can take them to a <laughs> restaurant. And if you find like something from the menu that they really appreciate, it'll actually launch a dialogue moment. And that increases your, bond with them too because they they divulge like you know i know that like tomato soup is not the most exciting thing but when i was younger my mom would pick me up from school and she would give me this like particular meal and so i have such fond memories of it and it's just like nice little storytelling moments um but yes I the, think of that as the lore across like yakuza games but, tomato so soup story the only it's in every game possibly um the only problem with it though is those moments where you're just running like you're walking around the street and then there's like you know there's a club and somebody remarks about the club it's so easy to interrupt and if anything interrupts it including like the random encounters of people uh, bumping into you and getting you into combat you have to restart it so i get really nervous and i just stand still and i I watch out for any enemies walking down the path um Mm -hmm. that i'm on uh, to make sure that it doesn't get interrupted so yes another point for bioshock it's just like real life though I suppose, yeah, you're going to restart the entire conversation with the same dialogue if you get interrupted? I hope not. <laughs> I like the idea of the guy in Bioshock with, like, those things are, like, 
they're like like phonographs like locked in a metal locker or something and they're this big and you pick up like 99 of them in the game i just think by the end of the game he just has this big bag he's hauling around with all his <laughs> talkies yep possibly i'm glad you brought up audio logs because when i was thinking about this i i feel like games have kind of moved away from audio logs like they were popular during the 360 ps3 generation with games like uh bioshock dead space arkham asylum borderlands fallout borderlands, they, yeah. they've kind of like fallen by the wayside it seems like and now you have to read everything again even like assassin's creed valhalla yeah very... talk to an npc that that acts it all out right because i think yeah. they have like really good budgets to do acting <clears throat> and so you have to sit there and skip through the cutscene of like reading the first lines of dialogue over and over again well first it's like oh, and then i went and then after, yeah after that, and then, okay <laughs> yeah okay. the, the audio logs day. are very of a time yeah mm-hmm. for sure but they were such a good feature. I mean, I imagine they add to, they certainly add to a budget um, to be able to voice all every single one of those. But yeah, it's just, it's so nice to be able to walk around and not interrupt it and feel like you can walk down to like the path that you are already on and yeah. still have that experience. Yeah. And like Borderlands did really cool things with, if you were closer to an NPC who's talking, um, you, you would just hear the audio in a, in a specific like in-person format. But if you would walk mm-hmm. away from them, it would go over yeah. to your Echo device instead. And yeah. it would be kind of like filtered yeah. through that sound system. It's just like such a cool detail. Yeah. Dude, Red Dead has that. If you're on horseback and near somebody, yeah. they're talking to you. And then they just start shouting. If <laughs> yeah. you get yeah. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> such a good so detail. So much dialogue. So much dialogue. And then, they'll, and then they'll do the thing where like you go kill a bear or something. And you come back and like, well, as I was saying, and then they go back into the story. Like, right? That stuff is so complicated. Mm-hmm. It's so complex and cool. Mm-hmm. The multiple line reads. It's one of the, like, maybe they've been doing it for a decade and we just didn't notice. But I, the first time I remember it coming into my awareness was uh, Spider-Man. Like the exerted Spider-Man yeah. versus oh, yeah. the calm Spider-Man. Yeah. But then there's also the Red Dead example. And it's like, oh, man. Ugh, maybe like I I never really wanted to be a game developer, but now it's like no, this is not for me. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't need to be about doing everything five different times. So you Look, don't want to be a VR. Were hard this week. Yeah. Sorry, I'll tell my joke after Tina. No, I was just gonna say he doesn't want to be a VO actor. I also had a joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, we published a story this week about how Doors were like a, real, a developer had made a comment that Doors were hard, and, and there's really good reasons for that, right? Or like, and it was really interesting. But if Doors are hard, imagine you know filling your game with realistic dialogue and acting. Ugh. Takes a village. Uh, real quick, before we get to video game 20 questions, uh, this is an email from Luiz in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It says, I'm 36 years old and I have a question for you. Do you miss the start and select buttons? I have all the consoles uh, and a six-year-old daughter that loves gaming. Since she does not speak English yet, I have to give her instructions very often. And with three consoles, three different button schemes, it becomes a mess. Press option, press menu, press the Xbox mm-hmm. button, press the PlayStation button, press home, press plus. The buttons today are the worst, and if I add the shoulder buttons, it gets even worse with L B L T R V R T Z L Z R R L R one R two. Anyways, I miss the start buttons and the simpler times. There's there's definitely playing with my daughter. We're like I just know I, I know where you know where square and circle and X and triangle are. Like all that's ingrained in my bi- mind and A B X Y. It's definitely not with her. So it's like a struggle. Like you know, hit X to confirm. Hit yeah. you know, circle to back mm-hmm. out. But I don't have that same muscle memory. I don't think I've ever in history gotten left and right and ZR and ZL right on the Switch. Mm-hmm. I still don't know oh, which yeah, is those which. Oh, yeah, confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Z, come on, Nintendo. like select and start. It's like you know the left and right side, but I I also don't get them right on the PlayStation or Xbox. I I don't know which. I don't have that same yeah. mental map in my brain. It's yeah. like menu, super menu, and then the center one is like mega menu. I do like that. I do like do we that. Need all those? You know, you have this like vocabulary. We're like Call of Duty One, and every shooter has Call of Duty's control scheme now, right? Like mm. that's just you know you click down the stick to run, and you don't need to like. And like we've we've also similarly gotten there with like maps. Like you know, the left menu is going to bring up a map in every Xbox game, and then like the center button is going to do it in every PlayStation game. So it's like I appreciate that, but um, nah, those buttons are not they're, they're not canonical in the same way that like the rest of the face buttons are. Select should have never existed. The whole idea of select is that they it was it was selection and start of menus. And so like yes. in Mario, you can only choose the second player if you hit select. Um, but you you have a GDD pad over there. You, you don't need to have kids hit select. You need them to, to just go up and down. And yeah. the games just forced you to use select for those first in the dark ages. And I think that's yeah. so funny. I mean, can you imagine like, well, you don't need to imagine it. Nintendo wired the play choice uh, system, their arcade system that's an NES, to have a start and select button. That costs them whatever, 30 cents a button, uh, <laughs> 30 cents per wire, all this stuff. Yeah. And then they just put it in there for no reason. They got two joysticks on that system. It's completely ridiculous. I will say the one good thing about the modernization of controller buttons in that sense, because, yeah, it's surely a little bit complex and we, we have modified versions of them, I think. Like we have modern replacements. But the one thing I really, really appreciate is the screenshot button just being super accessible because, yep. man, I use that frequently. Mm -hmm. um, just as a like, you know, I like to capture things that I think are pretty. I'll capture things that are jokes and I'll share it on Twitter. Like it just made some of that um, sharing environment really easy and accessible. And I think it was a really smart move on Sony's part last gen and makes sense that, you know, both they've maintained it, but then also um, Xbox has kind of incorporated it too. Even if they're still a little bit wonky and you have to go in settings and really adjust yeah. them to make them work for you. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that they're there. It's true. We never needed the select button. We also didn't really need the start button. You could start the game with Say a button. They should have I had have a pot. They should have had a pause button, which basically is cool. the start button. A pause button. Wait, I, yeah. I have such an irrational. Again, it's not rational, but like when a game says press start to start, and then it makes you press start. You can't just press any button to start. Yeah. Like get yeah. out of here, <laughs> mashing the A button. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> And that brings us to Video Game 20 questions. This suggestion this week comes from Adam Powers of Liverpool, New York. He says, I love the show. Watching you talk about video games is a great way to coast into the weekend. I also have really enjoyed the recent cat cameos on your cameras. Nice. Cat oh, Borba, Borba, zoom out really quick on me. What? I, need, I don't know if you can do, do, do that. Oh, oh, there she oh, is. Oh, there. She's loafing. Yeah, isn't that cute? I've been wondering when she's going to use that chair and show up and scoop yeah, on that way. Call, when my cat sits like that, we call it kitty boat. <laughs> nice, I like that. <laughs> Looks like she has her eye on some birds, too. Anyway, um, let the questioning begin. Did, Who was the question? Who did it come from? Adam Powers of Liverpool, New York. Liverpool, did this game come out on a system with a start and select button? Uh... Well, um, I don't. Uh, no. Mm. No. Do you have 
powers in this game. Ooh. Can you? I was, go- I was going from specific. his name. Yeah, I was, I was making a play on our reader's name, but our listener's name. But um, basically, do you have like, like a superpower? Yeah, exactly. Like, are, like in an RPG, if you're a mage, like you would be able to have powers in that sense. Yeah. Can you can you this do things infinite. in this game that a human could, can't do? There you go. Thank you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, maybe it's an animal. Maybe it's a robot. You do things in this game that a human can't do. Yeah, are, do uh, you have more? I cannot wait to hear what this game is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've made this joke question. I don't think I can answer. I don't think for I us. can answer that with a yes or no question. Okay, so okay. We'll, we'll just we'll I'll go more seriously. Do you play as a human? Yes. Okay. Well, then why was the second part so hard? Well, we'll maybe find they, out. Yeah, maybe they maybe, have yeah, something going we'll on. Out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in it, games you can run forever. So. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not superhuman, you can that, still not run true. forever. Not, not necessarily. Like, you can, you can not have stamina bar. But yeah. it's some. Here's a, a side quest question. Are witchers human? Yeah, hmm. they start out as humans, and then they but go it, through the, the, the ritual, or whatever they call it. But then they're yeah, not the humans afterwards, no? He does. Yeah, Geralt does not identify as a human anymore. He always says, like, oh, but he makes little jokes about that in the books. Yeah. Okay. So it's not the witcher. It's more like a vampire. Yeah, or maybe it's maybe maybe this is one of those situations where like, okay, so like I don't know, like Batman doesn't have any superpowers; he's just a normal man. Like, come on, get real. He fights aliens. Being rich is basically a superpower. Yeah, (laughs) true that. Um, did this game is this game available on the Nintendo Switch? No, I think that has a start and select button. Is this a multi-platform game? It's got a plus and minus button. It's plus and minus, that's right. Yes, it's a multi-platform game. Okay, so is this from after uh, 2000? Yes, that's five. Uh, But not on Switch. Is this game uh, developed in Japan? Yes. He said said yes. yes. I saw... saw, Okay. Yeah, he he mimed it basically. Audio cut. Is this <laughs> is this violent a violent game? Yes. Mm, is it an RPG? Yes. Cool. Cool. Violent Japanese RPG, or just a fighty Japanese RPG, or Killy. Could be Yakuza. Ooh. Totally could. Um. Wait, where was it? Did I, I've already forget if it was made in Japan. Yeah, it is. It was. So, okay. Yeah, it's multi-plot. Ja- Japanese RPG. I mean, is this a Square Enix game? No. It's also not an exclusive because it's multi-platform. Right. But not on Switch. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Drockway. Is this part of a series? Yes. That's 10. Um, okay. Okay. Does he? Okay. Do we call Souls-like games RPGs? I don't know. Like I don't know either. Yeah, I guess. I guess action RPG. Super, you have superpowers. You cast magic spells in those games. Truth. Right. Right. Clearly, I guess, superpowers. I guess you could be a human who has those sorts of yeah, abilities. Maybe, right. Maybe his <laughs> reluctance was that you can be a human, but you can right. also be a magic caster. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Um, would you describe this game as having um, like an anime art style? No. 
Do you, does this game take place on a generally regular version of Earth? Mm-hmm. Yes. Could be Yakuza. I mean, what? I mean, yeah, or something very similar to it, right? RPG so, yeah, so, style. Yeah, it could, could be like the World Ends With You type stuff. There's a lot of stuff like this. There's Persona. I was just going to say Persona. Mm-hmm. Persona, Yakuza. Um, does this game take place in Japan? Yes. Uh, nice. Oh, boy. Fun. So those series have so many games in them that we're kind of, we're yeah. kind of boned if we yeah. don't start narrowing it down now. It's totally either Persona 5 or Yakuza. But I, wouldn't Persona characters count as being supernatural or having powers? Don't they get to project their powers? Dude, I played I played like 25 hours of Persona 5, and I honestly couldn't remember. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I yeah, mean, they, they definitely go to like a magical sleep realm, but I can't recall if that's being done to them or whether they're in control over it. Right. I, I feel like I'm the only person on Earth that didn't like that game. They turn into things. Like, Teddy's something that turns into Teddy. Well, but Teddy's his own thing. I guess we um, we could try to narrow down by enemies, because, like, demons oh. would be one obvious one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, the, the stupid way to narrow it down is just ask franchise, but, like, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you uh, fight humans only in this game? Well, no, that might have been a good one, because do you fight other things in a Yakuza game? Do you, does this game um, yes. take place uh, in and around like a school setting? Mm-hmm. No. So not Persona. It's not not Persona. That also knocks out like I, I don't know, knocks out a lot of Japanese, <laughs> Japanese games. <laughs> Is this game about organized crime? Yes. Oh. 15. My God! But getting down to which one? No, but the, the other ones aren't RPGs. The other ones are brawlers. Oh. But maybe they're kind of brawler RPGs. Well, yeah, but. RPGs. <laughs> that's Teen- that's what people call them. I didn't just I didn't just make that up. Tina, I think you should do it. It's well, you think it's um. Skip to that. Do you have poofy hair in this game? <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, should we do it? It's got to yeah, be right. Is go it yeah. also like a dragon? It sure is. Nice. That's that's before before like <laughs> oh, there's no poofy hair in that scene. That's before the salon <laughs> when he was smart. <laughs> Yes, Adam Powers of Liverpool, New York, specifically wanted to see if you guys could guess a game that you've been playing and talking about recently. I was so recently. highly skeptical, though. Like, it couldn't, yeah, clear, it couldn't be a game that we it were playing. It off so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Social experiments and 20 questions. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Keeping us on our toes. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. what's happening here. <clears throat> and yes. Uh, oh, oh for, so for the powers, I don't know if you have any sort of, like, elevated powers beyond what normal people have. Yeah. I mean, you do. You have ridiculous moves, but I don't know that the game would consider them powers. You can run forever. <laughs> but I mean, some of I some can. of them do. Like, there's a move where you can give someone a cold, for instance. That feels like a <laughs> that feels like a power, right? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay. One more. One more. Okay. One more pet peeve about this game. Um, there's a character, Sachan, and she has an ability, and it is called what is it? Sparkling Cannon or something like that. I wrote this down because I knew I was going to forget it. It's called, I think it's called Sparkling Cannon. Anyway, she has like, because she's a host, like you, you have different jobs per person and she has, um, you can pick different jobs and then you'll level up in accordance to those effective skill trees. So I picked host and they all have like gimmicky little moves and animations in, in accordance to their job. So for one of her moves, she takes a champagne bottle, shakes it up and then sprays it. 
at an enemy. And I'm really angry that it's not an area of effect damage and only a singular enemy damaged move. She Everybody even, gets like, hit by that champagne. She even moves it in a direction <laughs> to get like two different people at least. And so it's infuriating, but maybe it would be too OP because I've noticed that that move is very reliable and that's the move that gives people a cold. That's, that's the whole point. <laughs> that's the whole point of shaking up a champagne bottle. It's never meant for just one person. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that feels like a case where like there was probably some angry meeting where like the gameplay balance team was like, no, like you can't have it be an AOE. And then like, yeah. we don't have time to redo the animation. Right. 100%. That's got to be what it is. <laughs> yeah. Shaking up a champagne bottle and spraying it uh, over a bunch of people and or just one person completely changes the intent <laughs> yes. yes, it does. One is That's celebratory. True. One is an attack. Yeah, one is retaliatory. Maybe that was think... the story decision behind keeping it out of uh, an area of effect damage. I'm also trying to think. I don't think I've ever been a part of that in real life. The champagne, no, the explosive champagne thing. Yeah, yeah. it feels it's like a, it always, be... it's always been incidental, and it's like, oh, well, now I'm covered in champagne. We did the uh, we did the Gatorade on the coach thing. Yeah. Which yeah. is uh, which is a related. That's a, that's a. I've that's a, sabered champagne several times with a machine. Wow! Wow! wow. I'd okay. be happy to. Sometimes. I want you to do that for, for us on the show next week. Okay. <laughs> that is all the scoops we have for this Set week. Set this up outside. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign Hopefully, I'll be in a. I'll have my internet sorted out next week. My shot will be a little bit more pleasing to your eyes if you watch the show. But thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you to Borba working behind the scenes. My name is Damon, in my brand new house, this is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. John. The, um, the one everybody loves tastes like sunblock to me. The coconut one? Yeah. It's so it's fucking disgusting. funky. The only acceptable one, one is the lemon one. Maybe the lime you, one. I'm telling you, uh, a limoncello. Yeah, but that's it's sweetened. I hate I like the limoncello. It's not sweetened. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, it's just standard. Just just like all other LaCroix. Ugh. That's the one we have in our fridge right now. And it's... It tastes like birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, it does. I yeah. It. I like cucumber myself, though, so I like cucumber-flavored water in general. And I'm right, drinking a knockoff. Are we rolling, John? We've been rolling. This is the beginning of Game Scoop. <laughs> all right, but first... Here we go. Here we go.